Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. Neil, good to see you back on, on the show. How's life treating you? Well, good to see you, Nick. I mean, I, I came in the other week and uh, Tom Stanley was here. I, I've got to say, mate, you, you've got to up your game today because... I watched it the other week, Gary O'Brien. These people are these people are doing a good job while you're away gallivanting. Well, the gallivanting's been great, but this show's even better, and even better to have you on the show, uh, Fran Berry. We're going to have a look back at the Japan Cup very shortly. You've enjoyed your weekend in London? Very much so, yeah. Good racing yesterday, of course. Gorham Park, no vintage race on paper, but uh, I think we've seen a good performance uh, by a couple of nice prospects. I know what you think in train by Gavin Cromwell. could be a high-class prospect, but 6.40 this morning, crack and finish, Ryan Moore... Wasn't riding well last year. He's riding pretty good this year. Right, we're going to have a look back at the <laughs> Japan Cup now. He's yeah. given away the result, but you probably knew it anyway. You'll be glad when you now. ring and tell him he um, wasn't riding well <laughs> last year. <laughs> we're going to we're going <laughs> to take look take a look back at the uh, in the race uh, in its entirety now from the start. The 42nd Japan Cup field are ready to race, and they're off. Shadow Diva missed the start. Simka Meal a little slow away, but. Unicorn Lion shows early dash with Hearts Histoire going forward. Not too far away, Grand Glory and coming over across is Tio Royale. They're going to the winning post the first time with five abreast. Unicorn Lion leads out from Hearts Histoire. Tio Royal Boccarini's trapped out wide. Simca Meal is stuck in behind them with Valtagrande, then Karate. Wider out is Danon Beluga. Stuck in behind is Onesto, then comes Valorazul. Followed by Grand Glory. Wider out Danon Beluga again. Trust Kenshin lost a bit of ground. Daring Tack. Well back is Shariar, Shadow Diva. Well back in the run is Tunes. Second last is Uberleben. And last of all at the moment is Ridgeman. They go down the back straight in the Japan Cup for 2022. And Unicorn Lion leads them along. Rolls on and leads it out now comfortably from Hearts Histoire. Running the inside with a perfect position is Simkimile. Out there is Tio Royal. In the middle is Valtrazende. Then comes Boccarini. Back on the inside, Onesto. Then Karate, followed by Valorazul. Then comes Trust Kenshin. It's a constant pace. Then comes Grand Glory. Trapped out three wide, but with cover down on Beluga. Back on the inside, Daring Tack trying to make up ground. Shadow Diva losing ground. Uber Laban's taking off. Well back, Tunes. At, on the outside of Tunes is Shariar, and at the tail of the field is still Ridgeman. So they get to that top of the hill, and they approach the 1,000-metre pole. And still in front, it's Unicorn Line. Leads out from Hearts Histoire. Sim Camille has travelled well in third. Then Tio Royal has been a bit wide the trip. Veltrasendes had the run of the race in behind them. Boccarini's been wide, but goes on. Followed by Karate. Back on the inside, Onesto. Christophe Lemaire looking for out. Danon Beluga's taking off around the outside with Uber Laban. Back in behind them, Shariar. Well back is Grand Glory. Stuck in behind him is Valorazul. Will need some luck from there with Daring Tack. 
They sweep home with 500 metres to run. Hearts Histoire finds the front. Whacking away Unicorn Lion. Here's Boccherini. Now Danon Beluga emerges and Uber Lehman. And through the middle, Shariar. A war of them across the track. Danon Beluga finds it. Here comes Shariar. Danon Beluga to the end. And Valtrasende up the inside might beat the ball. Up the inside trying to rattle home Valtrasende. Damien Lane and flashing home late. Valerizul. Valerizul scoops to the front. Shariar second. Valtrasende third. And daring tack fourth. What a run late. Well, right out of the fire, Ryan Moore on Vela Azul wins the Japan Cup of 2022. Ryan also won it on Gentle Donna back in 2013. 100 to 30, the horse went off. Uh, Shariar was second, a horse you'll know very well, ran at Royal Ascot, won the a big race in Dubai last spring, 9 to 4 favourite. And Veltrizenda was third at 8 to 1. Didn't really go the way of Ernesto or Sim Camille, even though they had good positions on the inside. Three quarters of length, the winning margin. And we're going to try and connect now with Ryan Moore, who is driving, I think, to the airport in Japan as we speak. Uh, Ryan, good morning. Congratulations, if you can hear me. Yeah, thanks very much, Nick. Um, th that looked at a, a, a far from straightforward passage you had through the through the Japan Cup. Just just talk me through the race from your perspective. Um, yeah, no, it was a messy race. Pace was steady, unusually so for Japan Cup, and uh, it never really got going. It never really got sorted out until we got into the straight. And, uh, you know, there's a, probably a quite a, a weak field as far as Japan Cup goes. And there's a lot of horses that were still still there at the two. Um, I I had a nice run, but then I, I got held up at first. chose to go the wrong way when I turned in. And then I had to switch back in. But got a beautiful run through on the last furlong. And my horse quickened up well, so I had a... A good slice of luck and um, a, a talented horse to get me out of trouble. Yeah, he, he clicked, the horse clearly is pretty talented, um, given the fact that we've had some really good close-up shots mid part of the race, which saw just how keen the horse seemed to be. And you think, well, you don't often see horses doing that and then getting home as well as that. Did, did, he, did, did the horse take you by surprise? No, no, he was very tight for room, so I kind of had to keep him keep the revs up otherwise I'd have been squeezed out of my spot um, so he, he to be fair to the horse he he done everything he could do to help me so um, the pace was slow and it was just about holding your position and in the end you've won by three quarters of length going away a little bit from Shariar who who didn't get the, the the best of draws was it always in your mind I mean, you've got so much experience in Japan I know at some race courses around the world you would you would prefer to tip out. In Japan, is it is it always better to try and s to save ground all the way? Um, not not always, but the the track at Tokyo the last couple of weeks it has favoured the inside, um, so it certainly wasn't a disadvantage to be in there. And for you, it's a, a second Japan Cup after Gentle Donna back in in twenty thirteen. And you know, I know it's taken a little while for the event to re-establish itself after the after the pandemic. Was the atmosphere today as as good as it's ever been? Um, it, look, I was delighted to be here. I bet they capped it. I think to about sixty thousand today. So um, usually, previously it'd be double that. I think, uh, and and everyone's still they're still coming out of COVID here. So everyone's told to keep quiet and keep their masks. So. It's probably not the atmosphere that 
um, mm. it would be in the past, but there, there's a lot of people on track and uh, they love their racing. So, um, yeah, good day. Still a bit special, a very good day. And for you, what does the rest of the year look like? Will you be taking in, in the Hong Kong International, I'm guessing? Yeah, looking forward to Hong Kong in, in two weeks' time. And then, and then a little bit of a break? Uh, yeah, um, we'll see what happens. That, that'd be the plan over Christmas. All right, Ryan, thanks so much. I know it's not a, a great line to Japan, but uh, appreciate your thoughts and many congratulations from all of us here. Okay, cheers, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ryan Moore, who was successful again in the Japan Cup. Just talk me through this ride, Fran. I mean, he always makes everything sound as though it's fairly straightforward. From a jockey's point of view, that looked far from straightforward. Big time, and uh, Ryan rode like a top-class jockey. He was not afraid to lose. He took all the chances. Messy race, he said, generally Japan Cup to go <clears throat> go very hard and normally get stretching from six, seven furrows out in comparison this year very compacted field you see Nonesto down the inside and no looking running really how well he was going at that point in time is debatable but he didn't get the brakes whereas Ryan did, did initially two furrows out get a check but a bit of horse to switch out and the way he finished off was very impressive example Nick of patience rewarded for Japanese connections a five year old only come to hand now won a group two last time in good style maybe not the best Japan Cup ever but very much a horse on the up and uh, give him the time to mature it's fine margins when you're, you're talking to Ryan Moore. He, he said the horse was very talented, and he said it was a good day. Mm. I mean, the, <laughs> for anybody else, that means the horse is extremely good, and it was a great day. Exactly, and I think he's only come to hand now. Best performance of his career, and uh, I think the further he goes, the better he'll be. A stronger gallop, maybe Dubai might be on the agenda for him going forward. Also, Ryder had clearly ridden the track bias, because we've seen Japan Cups where they're flying down the outside, mm. and he's saying, at the moment the tracks riding to favour the inner. Exactly, and uh, statistics show the last five, six years, low draws are key. Uh, Ryan came out of stall sixth. Eventual second, Sharir ran a big race. He had a clean run coming out of stall 15, but third home is stall three, uh, the fourth stall eight. And Dan and Beluga, very much horse take out. We've got a check late on. He's a new three-year-old. Before we move on, how significant a season do you think this has been for this rider, given what he did in the Breeders' Cup, given what he's done again in the Japan Cup? It's almost back to the glory days, isn't it? It is, and I just uh, at the top of the show saying that he wasn't riding well last year. People were saying that, oh, he's not going to be in Ballydale this year, but Luxembourg, all them rides through the season, high definition, got been to Tarasol's Gold Cup, as good a ride as you'll ever see. He's right in the top of his game, not that he ever was, wasn't, but really this season he's making a difference. Stone Age, Breeders' Cup got beat, fantastic ride in defeat. that was firmly on top of the world yesterday was Constitution Hill. His victory in the fighting fifth hurdle will live long in the memory, even if he were never to do anything else on the race course again. He left champion hurdler Epatant and previous winner of the race not so sleepy and multiple 160-odd rated hurdler Tommy's Oscar strung out all over Tyneside in the hands of Nico de Boinville, the most successful grade one winning rider based in the UK at the moment. Yet another success for Nicky Henderson. How does he keep producing this seemingly endless line of champion two-mile hurdlers? None of us really know, but he does, and they come in all shapes and sizes. Neil Channing, is this the best hurdler you've seen? I said at the show, it would sound a ridiculous <coughs> question were it not for what he's done the last twice. Well, I mean, you know, time form uh, started to... Uh, well, they've rated him ahead of, of, of some real names, haven't they? I mean, I... I you know, he's ahead of Istabrak on their ratings. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like that might be the best I ever saw, but... Uh, um, 
maybe one more race I'd like to see. But it was it was wow, wasn't it? It was a wow race. It was definitely a oh my word. Well, that's of. the key, isn't yeah. it? The key is you just can't wait to mm. see him again, Fran. Very much so. And you forget he's only five years old, Nick, you know, turning six in January. But I loved the way Nico rode him yesterday. He was aggressive on him. He wanted to get a run into him. Stiff finish Newcastle, three and a half furlong run in. He made it a test and he wanted to get a you know a good schooling session into him, go through the gears. Um, I, thought, I thought visually stunning, but the way he went through the race and rode him was fantastic. And in terms of his next target, it seems as though they're now just playing the straight bat. Mm. It, having been, well, it might have been Asker mm. and then the International at Cheltenham and then something a Matheson hurdle he was talking about. It seems as though we're now back to what should be plan A, really, which is the grade one fighting mm. fifth, the grade one Christmas hurdle, and then see if you can get something between Christmas and the champion hurdle. See Dublin race festival be fantastic, wouldn't it? Will that happen? I don't know. But uh, look, all roads lead to Chelham. Uh, honeysuckle, the seven pounds mere allowance, will that be enough? In reality, Neil, mm. think about the two horses up against each other around Cheltenham. What do you see in your mind's eye? How do you see a race well, I hope we, out? I hope we see the race for a start. I mean, God, that would be so brilliant to see them both against each other. But the way that jumps racing goes these days, you, your immediate thought is, oh, you know, now I'm starting to think, oh, uh, Honeysuckle's sure to find a way to, you know, retire or something before the race. Um, I mean, from a gambling point of view, obviously, I'm thinking what a schnidey, horrible each way bet honeysuckle <laughs> would be. That would be brilliant. Um, you tried I, to get you tried to get anything on each way? No, because I, I worry that you know she'll get beat. Yeah, what is it in, uh, in a week's time? And uh, you know that'll be the last we ever see of her. I, I, I mean, I'm still a big honeysuckle fan, and I think uh, you know if, what is she now four to one. Um, uh, that, that, to me, if I had to have a bet right now, if you gave me some money and said you've got to put it on one of them at the current prices, I'd definitely still be on Honeysuckle. Would you really? Yeah, I would. Mm. 11 yeah. to 8 on Constitution Hill, yeah. 7 to 2, 4 to 1 Honeysuckle. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. think that's wrong? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying, you know, I, I was as, as impressed as anybody yesterday. It was a wow performance, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I've seen plenty of wow performances from Honeysuckle and. Uh, it is a bit insulting to her as the, as the champion to, to be such a big price, I think. Just from an analytical point of view, Fran, is there anything you can see in Constitution Hill that we can't? I mean, all I can see is, is perfection and a jumping technique now that seems to have been ridiculously well honed. Very much so. And what he'd done is supreme off a strong pace last year, the further he went. And he can make his own running, he can take a lead, he jumps slick, he's going to get better with experience. Mm. Very, very hard to pick holes in him through a race. He, there's nothing that... No, you're right. It's, it's, it's impossible to pick holes. But, I mean, I just from a punting point yeah. of view, I'm just like, you know, I like, I like to buy on, uh, buy on red and sell on blue, you know. I mean, but, uh, we, uh, you know, did we learn much yesterday? It was a wow mm. performance, but, I mean, it was a two to seven favourite mm. winning. Well, I think we did learn a bit more. <laughs> I think we learned that he can do it from the front yeah. very happily in a two-mile race and just extend away. We, th we learned that his jumping had got almost frighteningly good. I mean, yeah, no, I, I mean, he was really impressive. It was a wow performance. I, you know, I'm not normally that impressed by horses. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. But, uh, that, I mean, I kind of was out of my seat, yeah. Time was, what, 3.46, something like that. It was certainly significantly quicker than standard. It was about eight seconds quicker than the two-mile lowest hurdle. Mm, I suppose the flip side of that, Honeysuckle, we keep saying, what does she beat every year? But she only ever does enough to win. 
and now she's got a true contender to take on. That's do, going to be the. Do, do you buy, do you buy this narrative? We've heard it mm. with the whole see the stars versus Frankel debate. We heard it this week with Barry Geraghty, this Moscow flyer, Sprinter Sacra. Everybody knows that Sprinter Sacra was the best two mile chaser that Barry <laughs> Geraghty rode. Do we are we really buying this line that 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 Moscow fly just had a little bit more up his sleeve every time? Very much so. I think you uh, are buying I, that. I think top class horse just do the bare minimum. See the stars looking after him work. He was born idle at home. Constitution Hill seems to be the same. Honeysuckle, down to last hurdle when she's on her own, she puts on the brakes, scrambles over last in Ireland at least, and just does enough to mm. win. But Honeysuckle's still winning races by seven, eight, nine lengths. It's not as though she's mm. scrambling home every time. Yeah. She is quite impressive when she wins. And tactically, it'd be very interesting how they play it on a day, assuming the board arrive in Cheltenham. Will Rachel follow him or Nico follow her? You know, it's going to be mm. fascinating, and that's the key to yeah. it, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, that will be interesting. Mm. Well, the fact that they're both horses, one of whom can now make the running and the mm. other whom can take it up a long way out, suggests that if they do engage, they'll be engaging from some way. Mm. Nicky Henderson's on the line now. That's all to come. Most important thing, fingers crossed now. Nicky, good morning. How's Constitution Hill? Good morning, good. Yeah, no, he's fine, thank you very much. He's just been out and we've got a little jog and he looks... Um, <laughs> I just said to Charlie, I know, if you watch him trot up, I said to Charlie Morlock just now, I don't know what made me buy him. <laughs> because he's, he's not a sort of, he doesn't come out like the, um, well, you know, one of those sort of super duper sort of ballet dancers. You know, he just, that's him. He doesn't stand out in a crowd, but he does in a race. It, the way you describe him, it almost makes him sound like he's. His blood doesn't really get hot until the tapes go up. That he's, or that you ask him in a piece of work. He never does anything unless you ask him to do it. No, that, that is absolutely right. And I say you, you, you watch him trot up there. There's, there's no wow in that. Um, but as you rightly say, when you ask, when you press the button, and that, that I honestly believe the secret of this horse is his, his head. He's just got such an amazing mindset. Um, to be fair, I think the Blue Brazils as a as a as a herd, um, he's a very good sire, but they all seem to be very much of a, of a kind. Um, I've, I've seldom seen a stupid Blue Brazil, um, but they are they've all got very very good temperaments. And this horse's real weapon is that nothing nothing bothers him. Um, and as you rightly say, he can go in front, he can go behind, he can do anything. And it doesn't matter what you put in front of him, he'd, he'd take it. You could go and run him in a steeplechase tomorrow. He wouldn't mind him. Uh, he jumped very, very well last year. Made a beautiful shape over his hurdles. Mm. As he went on yesterday, he was one of those frightening hurdlers that was just j getting from A to B with yeah. alarming, alarming alacrity. Now, is that taught or is that innate? Well, you know, extraordinary. Until Tuesday, I think it was of last week, he hadn't seen a hurdle since the Supreme. And as you know, since then, they've changed the hurdles from orange to white. Yeah. And a lot of horses, we find a lot of them, you know, their first time up with the white hurdles, they look at it, well, what's this? I can't jump that. Um, and they duck and they dive and they spook and stop and do all sorts of silly things. But this horse just all on his own. Nico just turned him in, faced him at five white hurdles, and just went bang, 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 bang. And actually, for some extraordinary reason, he said he wanted to school him again this Tuesday. I personally couldn't see the point. <laughs> but 
I think he just enjoys it. It's a bit like in the days of Sprinter. You only schooled it for the jockey to have some fun. The horse didn't need any education. No, we haven't done anything. I probably hadn't seen a hurdle since the Supreme until, yeah, until last week. And again, yesterday, he looked almost a faster horse. Than he, than he had last season, even though he hardly looked slow when winning the Supreme Novices Hurdle. It's that, you see him drop down and go through the gears yeah. like that. Had you seen an acquisition of speed? <clears throat> well, I think you'd have to say that, yeah, yes, in his work, it's getting more and more difficult to work him because, you know, he, he can just... He, he, we've never led a gallop with him because that no horse would get to him. So that would be pointless. Um, so he has to... If you work three and let the other two do their own thing, and then he doubles off at the end and does his thing, um, because he's he is he has got frighteningly good at home, and I mean he's probably a better horse at home than he was last year. And this time last year, I didn't think he was a good horse anyway. <laughs> uh, do you think Epaton gave her true running yesterday? Is that is that a fair measure of her ability level? Do you well, think? Well, we, we've been very happy with her. Um, Aidan rode her in a gallop at Newbury Tuesday a week ago and thought she was more forward than last year and was very happy with her. Um, somebody told me that her times and sections or whatever were, were better than last year in the race. Um, I don't know. You have to... I don't see why she shouldn't. She had a great season last year. She won three grade ones. She was brilliant at entry. She was second in the champion hurdle. Um, I don't see why she's... I don't think she's regressed, though. Well, that, that gives us extremely informative context as to exactly what Constitution Hill might have achieved yesterday. His time was, was very strong as well. We've delved into our treasure trove of superlatives and people will have opinions on, on how good he is historically. Is he, in your opinion, definitively the best hurdler that you've trained? I think it's too early. But, I mean, you know, it was rather like with Sprinter. I was very lucky to put him at the top of the tree um, and said it was all over. And then I had to admit, yes, he was. <laughs> um, I think, you know, even with deference to CUNs and Bouvardes and binoculars um, and, and even Epiton, you know, we've been very, very lucky. We've had a lot of you know, proper champion hurdlers. And, they, you know, in their pomp, they were very, very, very good. And they all had one thing in common, this ability to jump like that. It's A to B. See, them were spectacular. But so was Binocular, so was Bouverdin. They were, and, and so was Epitont. And when she won this two years ago, she was absolutely flabbergasting. And, you know, I, I really think she's probably... She made one mistake yesterday, but that didn't cost her anything, obviously. I mean, the other horse was, he, he was as a, even from the front, he can just go and do that and change gear. And it was, it was, even I've got to admit, that sort of sudden surge was impressive. Uh, are, you, are you playing the straight bat now, Kempton next, and then look for something between Christmas and Cheltenham? Um, well, <laughs> the only thing I can say is I'm very upset that the contender's hurdle's been thrown away. You're not going to get it back. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It is no more. It is a, the parrot has ceased to be. You don't, you can't sad. have it back. <laughs> I know. I should, it, it's got to be Kempton. It has to be. Um, that's what the, the book says. You know, the pattern is 
fighting fifth captain. You've really got to go by the book. It's, it, it is, that's why it's written that way. Um, Fran Berry's making one last petition for the Dublin Racing Festival between Kempton and, and Cheltenham. Yeah. Are you, are you going to, are he you going to play? In, I did put him in on the 29th, isn't it? Oh, the, the Matheson, yeah, the 29th. But you've yeah. got the Irish champion in between Christmas and Cheltenham, if you fancy yeah. that, I suppose. But yeah, the, the end of January. Mm. Or beginning that would of be February. the only thing that would worry me. I mean, does he? I mean, mind you, having said that, with his temperament, you could take him to Timbuktu um, and, uh, and bring him back again, and it wouldn't phase him. So, um, yeah, you can. But on, on the other hand, you know, the the, the, the Grade One sat at Kempton. Um, I'd hate to tell Barney Clifford he wasn't coming. <laughs> so he'll he'll go to Kempton. Um, do you do you anticipate stepping uh, your Jerry Field and winner up to Grade One company before too long? First three. Well, he was he was good yesterday, and we've used the Jerry Field and over the years. Epitaph started there and went straight to the Christmas hurdle, um, and that was without twelve stone too. Um, where does he go next? Very difficult because well, because of Constitution Hill, it really. Um, but, yeah, we're very lucky. I mean, I think he is a good horse, and I, I, I love the way he did it yesterday. Um, he'd come on for the run. Um, where would you go? I mean... Go to Cheltenham, international hurdle? Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, would I dare come back in two weeks' time? It, I wouldn't throw it out the window. Yeah, and you, you might find that there's not that much depth of opposition, so... You're in there anyway. How high do you think Lucia could go? She is good. Um, she looked very good in that bumper at Sandown. We had a horrible, horrible incident with her after that. She nearly lost her life. Um, and she's come back really well. She jumped beautifully. Uh, James gave her a beautiful ride and on, on, on First Street as well. Um, he, he gave them both brilliant rides. Um, where would she go? She, I've got to set the bar rather too high with her because if you start Misty Race, you've got to. I can hardly go back to a Bears Novice Hurdle, do you know what I mean? No. Um, so I should think she's going to have to take the boys on next time. Something like the Kennel Gate, I suppose, might come into the equation. That's at, a, at Ascot in a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. I, 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 you had a. A very nice horse win the first race at, at Newbury Friday, Jet Powered. But mm. I, do you think she's? Do you think she at the moment is a is a better prospect for two mile novice hurdles than he is? I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I Different types of horse, I guess, aren't they? Something similar. Um, you know, they're nice novices to be looking forward to the next part of the season with. Um, the, you know, they're both. I mean, he's he's won a, a maiden hurdle. She's she's actually won a listed race, which you'd probably say had a bit more depth to it, and did it very nicely. He did what he had to do on Friday, um, and he's got to. You know, I'd say the Kennel Gate might be his cup of tea too. So we'll have to um, see where they all go. Uh, Chant was good, wasn't he? Um, getting the better of Paisley Park. We spoke about it quite a bit on Friday. Is this season going to look much like last season, do you think, for him? Or are you going to try and do anything a bit different? 
I think he did. I mean, I, I can't, I can't believe that he and Paisley Park aren't going to have uh, another rendezvous in the in the long walk. It seemed the obvious place to go. I was a bit. You know, I will admit the champs always been good first time out. We did consider, you know, joining JP early in the week. Did we, you know, would we keep him fresh for the for the, for the long walk, or take this in on the way and let it be a bit of a practice for him? Um, it was a great race, the two of them. I mean, they're two ten-year-olds. That it's, it's great to watch, um, and I, I suspect they'll meet again in um, in, in, the, in the long walk. They will all be well. Nicky, next week's the Tingle Creek. How's Shishkin? <laughs> At the moment, he's very good. Thank you. Yes, I couldn't be happier. I, I think probably more importantly, the man that sits on top of him has expressed um, he's very pleased. Um, Nicky wrote him in a gallop on, on um, He worked on Friday purely because Nicky was going to be at Newcastle on Saturday, so he wasn't here yesterday. So he worked on Friday, and he's, he's very well. Do you, do you fancy uh, running him next Saturday? I, we we plan to run him. <laughs> no, nothing is, as you know, a week is quite a long time in racing. <laughs> yeah, last seven, last seven days have been eventful, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I've got another seven days to go. The plan is that John Bond goes there for the Henry VIII and Shishkin goes there for the Tingle Creek. Perfect. Let's hope uh, we see both. That's how next they'll Saturday. get there, yeah. All right, Nicky, thanks so much. Thanks, Nick. Always. There we are. It could be another great weekend for Nicky Henderson next weekend. Just to pick a few observations out of that, Neil. Well, yeah, if all those horses run in all those races, it's going to be great. The natural hunt racing has no problem. <laughs> that sounded, it sounded very exciting, didn't it? He has got a lot of good horses at the moment. But you need yeah. the depth of competition. Of course, one of the yeah. puzzles that for, for him and for the rest of us, Fran, is having to shift all the bits around the mm. board and realising that actually in a, in a championship two-mile hurdle, he could have the first, second, third and possibly fourth favourite. Very much so. And they're going to have to take each other on at some point in time, probably Cheltenham, but uh, he's got a... Ray stars the minute Constitution Hill the horse to one yesterday was very good and he would love to have him the horse to one Newbury Lady Bamford's and uh, first street mm. yes yeah he was good now and uh, a faster in race maybe no hood on him he could find a little bit more I thought James Bowen was very good in him, but he's definitely just going through the motions James Bowen was getting plaudits there from Nicky Anderson you'd, have thought, you'd have thought he could have at least said that Constitution Hill was better than Boudoir there and, uh, <laughs> and possibly epitomed at this stage he didn't seem totally you know like he, he wanted to even say he, that no, did he it's the, but it's the attributes <laughs> it's the attributes he, he, he talks yeah, about yeah. it mm. gives you the indication that yeah, he knows just yeah. what this horse is capable of you just get the vibe don't you off Nicky that he's afraid to say it but what they're seeing at home and you know the way he talks about him yeah. round in circles it's very much it's impossible for him not to say that it's the best one he's had surely. and also at the times of your life I think these horses have meant so much to you you, know, yeah, so you yeah. then delivered him trainers championships yeah, in yeah, the mid 80s yeah. mm. yeah. you know when, when he was up against the might of David Nicholson and then yeah, Martin yeah. Pipe and Fred Winter uh, and you know, horses like Binocular for all the drama that he went through with him and Bouverdere <laughs> winning a couple of champion hurdles they will mean different things to people mm. at different stages of your life so it's very difficult emotionally probably to, to stand back and dispassionately say actually this horse is just better than all the others. Exactly. So like Sprinter Sacra and you know, Remittance Man and all those other two-mile chases. And it's all ahead of Constitution Hill. He's got to go and do it. But what he's doing at home, they're a good team there. They know what to have. And uh, the only other trainer I can see lighting up, like Nicky speaks about Constitution Hill, is William Mullins with Facile Vega. Mention him, he just lights up. And yeah. Constitution Hill is in the yeah. same you know, bracket. He's a bit yeah, more yeah. ahead of him. But they're two very, very exciting horses. 
Let's talk about uh, the Coral Gold Cup yesterday, which went the way of Dan and Harry Skelton. Another marquee prize for them, just seven days after Protectorat's victory in the Betfair chase. This was harder fought, harder won. We will be speaking later in the programme about the issues surrounding the whip ban that Harry Skelton received for this. It was seven days, incidentally. Uh, he beat Remastered and Jericho Rocky felt for David Pipe, given how well his horses were prepared. Korak Rambler, this was just a test, perhaps of a little bit too much early speed for him, but he rattled home in fourth. Bustleton ran well in fifth. Um, what of Lamilos? Good training performance, clearly just a second start for the yard, Fran. Can he do more? Can he go on from here and do more than this? Yeah, I think he was value for the winning margin. The second round of Crocker Remastered, of course, wasn't lucky. He appeared to be travelling well in the race last year when he took a fall three out, wasn't it, but uh, I think the, sec the winner was not doing a lot in front and He's kept on well, not helped by the loose horse inside, inside the final 150 yards. But visually, Nick, I didn't see any problem with Harry Skelton's whip on the day. The whip used, now we're going to pick it up here. And obviously went over the limit, but at the time, Neil, I didn't cop anything. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even notice until this morning that he got into trouble. Uh, although the stewards, I don't think they made a big thing of it on the day, did they? But uh, uh, yeah, the horse has gone from Tim Vaughan to Harry Skelton, uh, to Dan Skelton, and... Um, uh, this was his second run, wasn't it? You've got to feel a bit for Tim Vaughan, haven't you? Yeah, I've no idea the circumstances as to why he left Tim Vaughan and ended up with, with, with Dan Skelton, but the horse has certainly moved forward quite significantly. Uh, remastered has been unlucky twice. Unlucky. He was unlucky last he year. Was he was unlucky fell. last year. He, I mean, he was he going well when he out. fell, wasn't he? And, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he, he looked like he had every chance here, and uh, he's run into one, hasn't he? Yeah, and I thought I thought the winner showed great greater resolve somewhat as well. He, he did, and he wasn't helped by the loose horse running around in front of him, and the fact that he kept fighting more, there's probably a bit more to come. Corrick Ramler was a big eye catcher. Mm. Yeah, well, for Corrick, sure. Yeah, yeah. You could have predicted how Corrick Ramler <laughs> yeah, was going to yeah. run, but when yeah. he started motoring four out, I thought yeah. he might just pick these up. Yeah, he looked, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, they, they, they went a fair old clip, didn't they, I think? And... Uh, uh, Bustleton and um, I can't think what the other horse was. The two of them had a bit of a pace duel, didn't they? Anyway. It, it struck me very much that we know that Dan Skelton is very much in the mould of his of his great mentor Paul Nichols, but no more mm. so than now he's becoming a great target trainer. Yeah, he yeah. knew how important yeah, two weeks running yeah, yeah, Protector yeah. Out's yeah. victory in the in the Betfair Chase was last week, and to get him all the screws tightened for that and this as well. Yeah, and they f it felt like they were pretty confident all week as well. I think this well, was nine to two was a yeah. nuts price. It was eight, it? eight to one on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nine to two favourite. Very interesting after race. Listen, Dan Skelton, he lost a, a Carl Gold Cup with a, a four pound penalty, and he was in two minds about to run him in Bangor where he won and had the penalty. It didn't cost him yesterday, but it's just interesting to see the mindset of Dan and what way he thinks of his horses. My next guest is one of the most enduring figures in the sport of national hunt racing. He was one of the very best amateur riders and has been at the top of the, the trading tree for well over three decades. He had a particularly purple patch in the late 80s and the early 90s when he trained no fewer than six festival winners, including the West Awake, who completed that rare double of winning both the Sun Alliance Novice Hurdle and the Sun Alliance Chase. Later in his career, he earned fame as the trainer of the very popular Grand National winner, Many Clouds. His dignity in that horse's end was a great example to so many in the sport of horse racing. And only first, further served to enhance his popularity. The last year, however, has been incredibly challenging. Not only was he forced to vacate his longtime home, Roanhurst, to move to a, another stable down the road in Lambourne near down, but he has also battled his way through cancer, which he 
uh, contracted midway through 2021. He has now been given the all clear. He also has a horse who could once again take him all the way to the top in Queen's Gamble. He is, of course, Oliver Sherwood. Good morning. Welcome back. Morning, Nick. Thank you very much. Very uh, kind of you. The most important thing is you're looking incredibly well and feeling well, I gather. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, really good. Uh, uh, put on a bit of weight and... Um, my last night was, it's always at a standing dish. We go to Tim Siders uh, for dinner, and the one thing I haven't got my back in is my drinking boots, so I can't touch any red wine, which is probably a very good reason uh, to feel better. Probably not a bad thing. A good thing, I think. Okay. You, as I said, you are an example to all of us. So I, hope, <laughs> I don't know about uh, that at all. Hopefully that persists. Um, just tell me a little bit about the last, the last year. Whenever I see you, you've always had a smile on your face, but that is you as a general rule. How just how challenging has it been for you mentally as well as physically? I think it's been much more challenging for my family rather than me. You just feel going through sort of cancer, as I said uh, before to plenty of people, the word cancer and chemotherapy are two swear words. Um, and when you get told you've got uh, cancer, um, you've just got to get on with it. Um, it's much harder for Tanya and uh, my, my, my four children, my eldest two from my first marriage and uh, Archie and Sabrina from my second marriage. Archie was in Australia at the time. Uh, so you just feel pretty average. Funny enough, the first three sessions of chemotherapy I went through, it was a, just a breeze. And I thought, well, what's all the fuss about, you know? Um, and uh, then I got COVID just before my uh, fourth session. And then I, from January, February, March onwards, I, I really did feel awful. but. It was if there is such a thing, so I've been told, it was a, a relatively good cancer. There is no such thing as good cancer. That's the wrong wording, but it was very treatable. Um, uh, even though I got told there was a sort of sixty forty session mm -hmm. uh, percentage that I mightn't get through it. Um, to hear that was much harder for Tanya. There's no doubt about it, and she was a, um, a, a totally unbelievable nurse. We're very scared of of cancer, and yeah. quite rightly, one in two people is a, is affected by it. Everybody is affected by it, either directly or or indirectly. Do you think the word has more power, in a sense, than it than it ought to have over the over the over the patient? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, I just people don't know. Uh, I, I always go back, sorry, I'm going, I'm going back. When it first, the likes of John Joe O'Neill and Bob Champion had got given cancer, or got told they had cancer, it was, it, it was virtually a death sentence. And they got through it, and they got given their chemotherapy and a bucket to be sick in, and that was it, and get on with it. Now the preventivist stuff they give you is, is staggering. And, uh, and you just said one in 2.2. I got told that after my first sort of checkup, and that blew me away. One in, that's every other person virtually. I thought it'd be one in five, one in six sort of people have, have had or got some sort of cancer. And they're improving things. Even from my first session of chemo to my last session, the nurses at uh, the hospital where I was working, or where I was being treated, there was different medicines or, med or coming in and being I've been given them, uh, which it just shows how quickly everything is improving. It's just staggering. I'm absolutely blown away by the, A, the treatment and, uh, and the drugs you get given. I, I was reading your lovely piece in the paper today with, with, with Lee Moss's head, and you said there were only three days where you didn't go into the, into the yard. Mm. How, how important was it for you to be seen to be there? Oh, very. R really important. As, as sort of team leader, 
uh, I, I, I think it was very important, but not just for them, for me, uh, to have a purpose to get out of bed. Uh, and the horses kept me relatively sane. Um, I had a really good team um, who were fantastic. My head lad, Stefan uh, Namanensky, who's uh, Slovakian, he's been with me 15 years. He lost a family member uh, uh, to cancer, and he got quite frightened about it. And Andy Llewellyn was my assistant at the time, who worked for Nikki for a while. They, uh, and obviously Tanya, they uh, s stood up to the mark. And um, but, uh, but it was important. I say not so much for them, for, for, uh, for me. And without sounding really sort of pompous or grand, uh, the horses kept me sane. If you if you were in a sort of Twelve stories up in a, some sort of flat, and you hadn't got a reason to go to w to work or to get up. That would have finished me completely. So you had a reason, and it motivated you to get up to go and see the horses. And I said there were only three days when I, I I I think I went down, but I came back after half an hour. I just couldn't face it. I just felt awful. Mm -hmm. And it's quite people. I say, how do you feel and everything? But everybody's different, and uh, you just felt exhausted. I didn't feel sick just knackered and I didn't want to eat and so as you don't want to eat and sit tiny it was hard for, for her to see me not wanting to eat and losing weight and uh, uh, that was that was tough tough for her looking back on it now at the time I didn't appreciate it and it must have been really really hard for her. How strong was your mind? Uh, I was pretty strong there were a couple of days when it wasn't and I, I said in, in Lee's article uh, there was one day I just couldn't eat and I I wanted to give up not just training, life in general. I literally wanted to go to bed and die. Uh, I just felt awful, which was so selfish of me. Uh, that was thinking of me, 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 and nothing else but me. And um, Tanya and my friends, they had a sort of, sort of joke. When you, and you have to joke a little bit about it. I didn't have cancer, I had ME. It's all about me, me, <laughs> me, and me. <laughs> and, but you, you, had to sort of, you had to do that, you know. You had to, sort of, you had to have a bit of humour in it. And, and so it did you, need, you needed a bit of tough love as well as oh, a bit big of... time. As well as the TLC. Oh, yeah. oh big time, definitely. And did you, did you, you, found, did you find you got that from, from the people that were, no, were nearest no, yeah. to you? Uh, not just, yeah, family, friends. And I, I'm very lucky to train for some... I, I don't call them owners, some friends as well. They can't, I, uh, um, I call them friends, and, and they rallied around and were 100% behind me. There were a couple who hurt a bit when I had a couple of horses taken away mid-season. That really did hurt. When I, that's when you need your friends, you know. But I've been down that road a thousand times, certain that every trainer has, so you just have to move on. Um, people took horses away from you because they, they weren't running well? They thought you yes, weren't... Yes, I had a sort of... Uh, I had a, uh, come January time, we found something amiss with the horses and they were running rubbish. Uh, I didn't have many runners January, February, March. We found out we had to clear all the bedding out and the hay and blah, blah, blah. I won't bore you with all that sort of details. And luckily they came right in the spring. Probably some, I've one guy, a guy called Mark Burton, who's had horses with me for a while, he'd, they'd think, I think the horses had an empathy with me. They were feeling rubbish when I was feeling rubbish. And uh, they came right when I came right, which is quite sort of... Um, Quite funny, really, but I don't sort of think of things like that. But you look back on it, and it, it was exactly the right time when I started feeling better. The horses started running well. Well, maybe there was something in it. Though maybe there was. There was an interesting. I'm not going to say it wasn't. There, there was an interesting theory at the time. No, you're too diplomatic to say that's a <laughs> that's a complete load of rubbish. But um, you you did get the all clear. Yeah. Um, but Which, not until not until two the days spring. after Queen's Gamble won at Cheltenham. 
literally two days. I was waiting. Uh, uh, it was the first day I went away. Well, I went to Aintree on the Friday because we very kindly got invited uh, and had lunch there and only had stayed for three or four races. And then I went to um, Cheltenham for that two-day meeting, literally the day before the Lambourne Open Day. And uh, obviously she won. And then I got interviewed. And obviously people did know then about me, even though we didn't advertise you one was ill or had been ill. And they asked me about my health. And I thought, blimey, God, the last thing I want to do is say something. And I hadn't got my, the, res the results of my scan, even though I was waiting for them. And I sort of said, well, I'm just waiting for the all clear. And uh, we got it literally two days, the day after the Lambourne Open Day, uh, on that Saturday night. So onwards and upwards, as I say. It must be a, a strange feeling, because clearly it's, it's something you want to, to celebrate. But you're probably so emotionally and physically exhausted, it's, it's quite hard to know how to, <laughs> how to deal with that as well. I was knackered. Uh, having had the Lambourne Open Day on the Friday, and I, even though I sort of took a back step on that and um, uh, didn't... I'm normally in charge of car parking for the Lambourne <laughs> Open Day for my sins. Uh, and uh, then th what happened on Thursday at Cheltenham and um, Saturday we were supposed to be told we'd supposed to have been told by my consultant the results and Tanya was going mad was sort of knew we should have blooming well rung the secretary and find out what the score blah 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 luckily Jeremy Dougal who's our son's godfather who was treated by the same man had his private email address so we pinged him I pinged him an email at 9 o'clock on a Saturday night on a bank holiday the, the Easter bank holiday mm -hmm. It bounced straight back, and he was aware. I knew he was aware on holiday, and it, he rang me that half past nine and said, "I'm so sorry, Oliver. I'm very remiss of me. I, I completely forgot. You're clear of lymphoma." Um, so I, I came out, and um, Tanya was in, in there with the, with my daughter Sabrina and her boyfriend, and I just said, "Oh, this, I've just had a phone call. My scans are clear. I'm I'm absolutely knackered. I'm going to bed now." They, they didn't know what to do. They sort of got up and cheered and had another bottle. And they came to bed about two o'clock. I rang Archie up and he was in New Zealand or Australia. I can't remember. It was his birthday the next day. Told him. And I spoke to my immediate family. And then Tanya got onto the WhatsApp group telling him everybody was clear and the rest is history. Welcome back. Joining us on the sofa now, my next guest is a man who started the season in barnstorming form. He'll be well on his way to a career-best campaign if it continues along like this. But what he wants now are some more Cheltenham Festival winners and winners at all the big spring and winter meetings to add to the successes he's had so far. Uh, his horses certainly seem to be enjoying the change of scenery, as is he, as he has recently moved to new premises. He is, of course, Ben Pauling. Ben, good morning. Welcome back. Morning, Nick. Thank you very much. Who knew horses enjoy playing golf as much as they do? <laughs> well, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? But um, it seems to have made a difference. So as long as they're enjoying what they're doing, we're happy. Last time you were on this programme, you were with Nico de Boinville, just after we'd, we'd won the Supreme Novices on, on Constitution Hill. You haven't got him here to wind you up today, just <laughs> Oliver Sherwood and Neil Channing. But he was... Um, he was gently teasing you about your your new setup. Um, I suspect you're the one having the last laugh at the moment because it's going rather well. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we we moved across the middle of April, um, and it was sort of it was functionable. It wasn't finished, uh, and throughout the summer we've put the finishing touches to the yard and. And the horses do generally seem to be enjoying this. Well, they they seem to be very well in the new facilities, uh, and it's it's gone as well as we could have ever hoped. But brand new facility, it's never been used as a training establishment before. 
You've built gallops in and around what was an existing golf course, as everybody knows. You've yep. still got the clubhouse there as a sort of social facility. Getting used to a, a new place, we've talked about it with Oliver, getting used to a new place, in your case, with completely new gallops. Yeah, how long before you kind of figure out what's working, what's not working? Well, a lot of people have asked this because certainly there were owners that were concerned that it was going to take a little while to bed in and so forth. But um, when I was with Nicky, uh, you know, I learnt from Nicky and I wasn't going to try and reinvent the wheel when I moved on from Nicky. So we've this is our 10th year now. Um, and we moved to <coughs> our previous yard, totally different set of gallops to Nicky's. But what I tried to do is try to keep it simple. I tried to employ the regime that he puts his horses through. So, so you just copied him? Word for word. Really? really? With completely different gallops in the fact that we, you know, Mondays were an easy canter, Tuesdays we'd work, Wednesdays we'd walk, Thursdays we'd school, Fridays we'd canter away and Saturdays we'd work. And, and that's the general framework that I, I used. And it worked from, you know, what Nicky was using, which is the most fabulous facilities you could wish for, the grass gallops especially, um, but a pretty stiff all-weather gallop as well, um, to a gallop where the previous yard, the original gallop at the previous yard was not very stiff at all. Uh, and we just, it seemed to work then. So when we moved to the new yard, I simply employed the same tactic. And, and, and I think it's, well, it's, it's worked. It's clearly adapting better to the new place than it did to the old place. Yeah, and I think, uh, if I'm completely honest, I think the real success of the new place is, is the environment of which the horses are now stabled. Um, I was very fortunate, Soph and I and my wife, were very fortunate in the fact that we ended up buying a commercial property which was a golf course and uh, getting planning for uh, a yard was pretty straightforward because it was a commercial property already and, mm -hmm. and racing training is another commercial entity it was it was no big issue so it's not like trying to turn a farm into <coughs> a exactly yeah. and and we had been looking at lots of farms and 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 losing out in bidding wars and whatever have you because uh, we were keen to stay in the Cotswolds which is where I grew up and um all these other previous places we were looking at were either old stable yards or farm yards or whatever, and you'd have had to work within the curtilage of those barns. Mm -hmm. You can't just suddenly say, right, I'm going to bulldoze the lot and, uh, and build again. Uh, whereas we built on the 15th and 16th hole, uh, and there were obviously not any stables or any barns present. And so uh, we met a guy called John Courtney Thompson, who was a uh, architect that we used. He'd never designed a uh, equestrian facility in his life. He didn't know what horses did or, or how they were, how they needed to be stabled. But he, he came into the office and he said, right, I'm just going to sit here for two hours and you're going to tell me what you want from this facility. Uh, and we said, we don't want any more than 20 in a barn. Uh, we want everything to have windows or pens. Um, light and ventilation is the forefront. Um, we want to have stabling for around 100 horses. And he came up with this master plan in a very quick time. Uh, and we slightly altered it here and there. But really and truly, he came up with a very, very functional and realistic um, training establishment. Now, it's all very well to have this lovely, beautifully appointed training establishment designed, custom built, but you've got to have the horses to fill it. Oliver and I were talking earlier on about attracting owners. He says he's hopeless at getting, putting himself out there and really... I think that's what you said, wasn't it? You said, I'm... In a nutshell. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't agree, but you were saying, oh, I don't really... Are you a thruster? Are you good at, are you good at acquiring 
That's, a, um, that's a new word. No, thruster. Thruster. They call you thrusting. Last ask for a thruster. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, yes, I mean, we have to be able to um, demonstrate our ability. And I feel that in my early part of my career, there were no expectations whatsoever. You know, um, I started with eight horses, and I was very fortunate to uh, get hold or buy with Tessie Greytrex, who Oliver also uses. Uh, I bought two stores um, in my first year and second year that went on to win uh, Chalo Hurdles, uh, Barters Hill, he won Champion Bumpers, mm -hmm. uh, Willoughby Court won the two and a half mile novice hurdle at the festival. And suddenly I thought this was all really quite easy. Should we see that celebration again? Have we got the no, celebration? Yeah. We'll, 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 leave it, we'll, leave, we'll leave it in, in the studio. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I think we were actually, we fell foul of our early success in the fact that we probably just got a lot of horses sent to us rather quickly uh, and to a facility that we've left, which was great. You know, Borton Hill did us brilliantly well mm -hmm. and we had a lot of fun from there. But we probably ended up with, <coughs> I would suggest, 80... We had 85 in uh, in the yard most of the time, and it probably would have been more comfortable with 60, and it was probably just a bit too much on top of each other, and that's when we started hitting problems with bugs and viruses and things like that, and, and hopefully that with the new facility, that's what we hope to have erad eradicated. Uh, do, do you think it's a case <laughs> of the fact that you exceeded everybody's expectations in the first instance, so the, the expectation bar was very low. You soared over it, and then suddenly it's up here, yeah. and you were coming slightly underneath it. Yeah, I think I think that's a very fair assumption, in fact. Um, and it's not. It's, it's Oliver will agree that you know we all want to do as well as we possibly can, and mm. there's no two ways about it. The, the more you, the better horses you get, and the more the bigger results you achieve, the more the pressure yeah. arrives. And sometimes you haven't got the the horses to to go forward with, uh, but also if, if if you're struggling slightly on health, you've no chance. Um, you can train a horse. I firmly believe you can train a horse on nearly any gallop. Anything, as long as they're healthy, you're going to be fine. You speak to Willie Mullins, and where he is, he's always he's on a flat flat area. And if he could, he'd love to. I know it. Wait, well, no, he, he wouldn't because he's been so very successful <laughs> on what he is. But if he started, he wanted to be up a hill. And when I started, we only had hills in Lambourne. We changed completely. I remember when Jamie Osborne and the old John Durkin was my assistant. And they absolutely swore blind. They grabbed me. So you've got to change into doing the Martin Pipe way. And that's when everybody raised the bar when they tried to join him. But did you change? Though? Yes, we did completely. So Ben, so Ben's doing exactly what Nicky Henderson does. Or yeah, well, Nick, or well Nicky's changed. Right. There were days when Nicky, Nicky was on the road three days a week, trotting around the place. He now canters virtually the whole time. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Everybody's changed. Martin Pipe changed, <coughs> revolutionised training. I'm talking jumping now, not flat necessarily, obviously. But he revolutionised the way people trained racehorses. There's no two ways about that. So, I mean, you, would, you presumably started off copying Fred Winter. Fred Winter, exactly. And had some pretty good results doing it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But then you realised, you learned from the type of training we do now is that the recovery period is much quicker mm -hmm. than the old ways of, tra of training and uh, I wouldn't say the injuries are less or anything but just that it's an easier type of training I, I, easier to, to you, know, you don't know really how good the horses are when the old ways of training like, like Nicky did and still does up to some point he doesn't interval train and such day, but he does canter every day doesn't he virtually. yeah I think <clears throat> so when I left Wednesdays was was the famously a walk, walk day, day yeah. um, 
but I don't know whether he can on a Wednesday now or not. You know, it's been a long time since I was there, but um, he's not doing too badly still. No. Oliver and I were talking <laughs> earlier on about how many horses is your is your optimum. Could you become as big as Dan Skelton, for example? Would that sit comfortably with you? It's. Uh, I mean, I without should rephrase with, that, shouldn't I? Yeah. Could you have as many horses as Dan Skelton? Um, without sounding unambitious. I built a yard of 94 boxes with six uh, isolation boxes. And I'm not saying that we won't build another barn one day if we had the amount of horses. And I wouldn't, what I don't want to do is I don't want to start training horses that are, you know, in, you know they're going to be low-grade handicappers and they, they've got problems and this and that because that just frustrates you and actually makes you a worse trainer because you have to think so much harder about those horses. Well, this is what you were saying you earlier, know, isn't it? And you start confusing yourself. So what I would... I'd, I'd love 120 bloody nice horses, but, you know, it's, 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 it's <laughs> you know, realistic. That might take time, but I wouldn't really want many more than that if I'm completely honest. I'd like quantity, quality rather than quantity.